At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. You found primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is VSIN's primetime action live from the South Point Hotel Casino Tip of the Strip. Right here in uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Gil Alexander, Adam Burke tonight in for the vacationing Matt Brown. Ben Wilson in for the still vacationing Kelly Bidlin. How you doing, Adam? You good? I'm good. Everything's good. Good to be back with you on the show here. Good to see you. Ben, good to see you. Great. I do have confirmation. Kelly F. Bidlin was in an airport <laughs> yesterday. What does the F stand for, Ben? I just, I, I like mm-hmm. to. Just curious. I, I like to just throw that in there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not t- Frederick, I think. Something along those lines. I know he was sweating the golf <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. He I'm was, not sure. Sh- he, he was, was sweating the he was golf. sweating out a lot more than golf. Yeah. Th- yes, that is a very true statement, Adam. So Kelly is still uh, he's still alive. He survived the bachelor party. Good. So we'll Kel- be back tomorrow. Kelly and I had Gary Woodland in, comma, in common That is yesterday. Yes, so he was sweating. Yeah, so that was not fun. Uh, Eric Giger will join us tonight from Pro Football Focus. Talk a little uh, NFL with us. Paul Carr from True Media Sports to talk Champions League, the second leg of the round of 16. Uh, But first, some tip-offs here right at the top of the hour. Yeah, let's run through the NBA tip-offs here in that 7 o'clock Eastern hour, beginning with the Bulls and the Sixers. Sixers, 7 or 7.5 point favorite in this one. Total of 232 out there. Big old total in this one has moved up a little bit from the opener of 229. Atlanta and Detroit, I'm sure that's the game of the night for most people here. The Hawks laying 7.5, total 229.5. Have seen some 230s pop out there as well. So another total in the early slate that has gone up a little bit. Then Houston and Miami with the Heat possibly in a little bit of a flat spot tonight, laying 16 against the Rockets. This total sitting out there primarily 225 and a half. There are five other NBA games on the slate tonight that we will get to a little bit later on in the show. But as far as the NHL card goes for tonight, you know, Gil, I don't know if you've been doing a whole lot with the NHL this year, but it is chalky night in and yep. night out. A lot of big favorites on the board again tonight. Boston laying a dollar anywhere from a dollar eighty to a dollar ninety-five in their home game against the Los Angeles Kings. You've got Florida and Buffalo. Florida's over a $3 road favorite in Western New York. Minus $3.30 the price on that one. Toronto and Columbus. Toronto over a $2 favorite tonight. And then we've got another one here about 7.30 Eastern time or so. Colorado, also a big road favorite here out on uh, Long Island, taking on the Islanders. Excuse me, in Brooklyn, taking on the Islanders. Uh, this one, Colorado, minus $2.00. You're up to minus 215 out there as well. So another big chalky night in the NHL. All right. Any of those big dogs you willing to take a flyer on? I mean, I you know, no. I, I would say Columbus, but last night they had a big ceremony for Rick Nash, who was, you know, their the face of the franchise for a long period of time, their first draft pick and all of that. So if they weren't coming off of that, I'd maybe give them a shot against Toronto tonight, but 
uh, coming off of you know such an emotional night. I think it's a really tough turnaround for him. All right. I made a uh, in-game bet, by the way, just before we came on air. Colonial Athletic Association semi tonight in college basketball. I took Townsend plus five and a half. They trail at the half uh, by seven points right now. So uh, Townsend, who could end up being... Uh, if they get through this tournament, get the automatic bid. You're saying, Adam, they might even be an at-large situation if they, but they got to win tonight, right? Either yeah, way, yeah. Well, I would think that they have to win tonight, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it'd still be very hard for them to get an at-large, especially because, as we know, the selection committee will always lean towards those major conference bubble teams overtaking a mid-major. So, yeah, I think Towson absolutely has to win tonight, and you know, try their best to win this conference tournament and get that free bid. Well, they're down seven to Delaware at the half, so uh, they got some work to do. But I got them plus five and a half in game. Uh, Townsend Tigers going against the uh, Fighting Blue Hens, the University of Delaware, the Fighting Flaccos of Delaware. Uh, obviously, the big news today is in the NFL. Uh, that is that uh, Indianapolis tight end Jack Doyle has retired from the game. Okay, not that, but that did happen. That did happen today. The big news today, Calvin Ridley. Uh, we were speculating openly on air the other night. We hadn't heard much about Calvin Ridley, who famously left the Falcons midseason this past year, mental health reasons. Well, Apparently, uh, what we didn't know all along was that the Falcons were doing the right thing all the while and rebuffing trade offers for Calvin Ridley because they knew something was was coming down. And what was coming down, uh, the proverbial coming down, was that Calvin Ridley was suspended today by the National Football League Commissioner Roger Goodell, uh, laying it out in a statement, suspending Calvin Ridley for at least the 2022 season for betting on NFL games while away from the team in November of this past year. He did so in the state of Florida. Uh, Adam Schefter reporting that uh, Ridley bet three, five, and eight-team parlays uh, from the state of Florida, and that the cardinal sin, as we know, and as players are supposed to know, for betting on games in your own sport. And so Ridley's punishment, Ridley, by the way, saying that it was a grand total of $1,500 that he bet. Well, if so, that's the worst $1,500 he's ever bet in his life because it's going to cost him $11.1 million in salary next year. And so Ridley suspended for at least the 2022 season, Adam. He will be eligible to be reinstated for the first time in February of 2023. And that's just eligible. We don't know if that will go his way, but that's the story today. Yeah, I think two things that are really amazing about this story. The first one is that Calvin really thought that he could do this and, and it would not come to light. The second, actually, from your a numbers game producer, Jeff Parles, he texted me this afternoon and said, it's amazing that Calvin Ridley got a bet in in Florida in the short window <laughs> yeah. that, that sports betting was actually allowed on the apps there yeah, down in the Sunshine State. Right. Yeah. yeah, well, Calvin really should have waited, I guess, and then... You know, wouldn't have been able to make his bet and wouldn't have fallen under these circumstances. But as you said, I mean, costs him $11 million. And, and not only that, too, but also, you know, we think about this from a futures betting standpoint. The last time I was on uh, with Matt, we talked about, you know, looking at futures out there in the NFL marketplace, looking at the NFC South, a division that looks very, very wide open, to say the least. And I talked about maybe liking the Falcons from a future standpoint, thinking they could win that division, thinking that they could maybe, you know, get a home playoff game. Well, Ridley would be a big part of their offense, and now they won't have him for sure. Yeah, um, you know, Calvin Ridley, again, tweeting, uh, it was only $1,500. I don't have a gambling problem. I think uh, he misses the point with that, uh, obviously. Uh, just just a few things on this. You know, one, again, this has always been the cardinal sin of sports, uh, to bet on your own sport in any way. And by the way, for those who say, hey, but he bet on the Falcons. 
Uh, listen, that's sort of akin to the whole Pete Rose thing when Pete Rose was the manager of the Reds. Uh, it doesn't matter if you bet on your teams because the comeback to that would be, what about the nights you didn't bet on your own team? So that's not that doesn't absolve one of doing that. Now, all that said, some people believe this punishment to be too harsh. And I'm curious where you come down on that. You know, obviously the integrity of the game is very important right now. And, of course, we have still an unresolved situation with Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, you know, talking about you know the, the whole Brian Flores thing and encouraging him to lose games, incentivizing losing games and all of that. Integrity is a huge issue with the NFL now, especially because they have so many partnerships with all of these gambling companies. You know, I've, I've seen people kind of draw the, the comparison of, like, you know, Ray Rice knocked his fiance out in, a, in an elevator and got two games. You know, like, what, what how are we just sort of, the, the punishments seem random, you know, across yeah. the NFL. It doesn't really matter the severity of the incident. They're just kind of randomly doled out. This, maybe you're setting an example, you know, because sports betting is so widely available, is something that players do have the opportunity to do if they want to try to. And maybe this is a situation where Ridley is just, you know, being the example for the rest of the league. Yeah, it's, listen, again, like you said, the integrity of the game is everything. The shield must be protected at all costs. And any hint any whiff of that being compromised in any way, just the impression of it, the league is going to come down and, and hammer. And so, I, and so I think we all should understand that. Now, for, for those who are saying it's too harsh, though, the, the points being made are, are, I think, threefold, one of which is, you know, circumstances matter. This isn't 1963 when Alex Karras and Paul Hornig got suspended for, for betting. It isn't 1983 when Arch Schleister did. It's a new day. It's a new age. Again, my counter to that would be like, yeah, but it's still the integrity of the game and it's still the cardinal sin. But I, but I hear you. I understand where you're coming from on that. Uh, the other big thing would be exactly what you said about the Stephen Ross situation, which to me holds more water than the whole, you know, the world is different now. That is something that I think would, you know, if, if, if the league is worried about, and, and justifiably so, that any impression given from Calvin Ridley betting on any game, what that might do to the integrity of the game or the impression that would give about the integrity of the game, the, the true counter to that, the, the best counter to that is exactly what you said, Adam, which is, okay, great, but this, this owner you have over here in Miami, Stephen Ross, just got accused, accused by Brian Flores of offering $100,000 per loss. You lose a football game, I'll give you 100000 for every one of those. So I guess the, the question is, did you investigate that with the same vigor that you did this? And that, I kind of, I, I, have, I have the openness to listen to that because that to me is a salient argument. It's like, okay, you, okay, you get to do what you did to Calvin Ridley, but if you're not treating that other thing just as, just as uh, you know, rigidly and just as vigor, vigorously, that's not good. That's in, that's a different weighted sort of thing, and that doesn't fly either. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, look, what Calvin really did was stupid. I mean, yep. What Stephen Ross did absolutely, you know, puts a, a dent in the integrity of the game, to be sure. And look, we're seeing this with the Major League Baseball lockout, where the commissioner is going to be on the side of the owners in just about every situation. He works for him, right? And so. No, I bet they probably have not looked into those Ross allegations as much as they did this Calvin Ridley thing. And, and that is a major problem. Yeah, I said threefold. I mean, the third thing, again, and this is, uh, I'm not, I'm just throwing this out there just to, to be thorough about the whole subject. Calvin Ridley uh, left the Atlanta Falcons for mental health reasons. 
a harsh punishment certainly doesn't help someone like that either. So you wonder if this was the time to temper justice with a little mercy as well. I'm not saying I'm, I'm necessarily on board with that, but I'm just saying there's all kinds of ways to look at that. And so in the end, I mean, in the end, what you're saying is right. Was it stupid? Absolutely. Was it the biggest sin you could possibly make uh, in the sport of football? Yes, it is. Um, boy, it's just, it's, it's just sad all the way around. For, for all involved. And so Calvin Ridley, uh, a year away minimum chance to reinstate February of 2023 at the earliest. Clearly the biggest uh, sports story today, sports betting wise. It's only a matter of time, I suppose. And that time has arrived where someone uh, did the deed. Could have bet on other sports. Can't bet on your own. Coming back with Adam Burke tonight, VEASAN's primetime action. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Look your best and draft your best with the Just for Men March Basketball Series. Draft a winning lineup in two free-to-play contests for your shot at a share of $10,000 in total prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash JFM now to join the action. Get it, JFM, Just for Men. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Gil Alexander, Adam Burkett for Matt Brown, Ben Wilson, and for Kelly Bidlin. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for Fruit Baskets. Some bets are more fruitful than others. Let's find out who deserves a fruit basket of their own for helping the primetime action crew win this weekend. Thank you, Daniele. All right, so here's the deal with Fruit Baskets, in case you're uh, tuning in for the first time. Fruit Baskets, uh, virtual gifts that we send to people or teams that helped us win bets this past weekend. I got a bunch. I'm going first. My honor, Your Honor? Yes, I'm first? Okay. Uh, tennis. Ladies tennis. Both in Lyon and in Monterey. First of all, in Lyon. That young lady on the left, her name is Shuai Zhang. She beat Diana Yastremska in the finals at the Indoor Hardcore Tournament in Lyon. What a huge swing in my favor that one was. Uh, thank you, Shuai Zhang. You made my weekend. How many times have I said that sentence in my life? Thank you, Shuai Zhang. You made my weekend. I don't know if it's the over-under is one and a half over, but <laughs> it's I feel like I might have heard it once before. You can still go under on that. Okay. Uh, the, the other was the final in uh, Monterey yesterday in Monterey, Mexico, outdoor hard courts. Leila Fernandez and uh, uh, Camila, Maria Camila Sorio, they played a three-set long match. Uh, I had the over in it, cashed very easily, in-gamed it over a few times. 
it was a match where Fernandez staved off not one, not two, not three, not four, but five match points to win it at third set, third uh, set tiebreaker. By the way, she was down to her fifth match point where she stopped the match because lights flickered in the stadium. And so they had like a 15-minute delay before they could play that fifth match point. She, uh, oh, it was a lightning delay. I was seeing lightning delay. No, it wasn't. I lighting. thought it was a lightning delay. So, no, it was just stadium just lights. Just stadium lighting. Wow. Yeah. And so she came back. She staved off that match point, won the match. On match point in the third set tiebreaker. Yeah. Also, by the way, just a, a plethora of fruit baskets go to UFC 272 fighters. All of the chalk got there. Every one of them. Uh, obviously, uh, Covington did it over Masvidal. That got there. Uh, Dos Anjos got there. Let's say Spivak got there. Who am I forgetting? Bryce? Bryce, Bryce Mitchell got Bryce there. Bryce Mitchell got there. Fruit baskets for all. Do you think the UFC fighters enjoy when they get fruit baskets in the mail? Them particularly? You think they I don't know if it helps the blood on their respective faces, but you know, <laughs> it's at least a nice thing to eat after that. All right. You'll, you'll appreciate this one, Adam, because while, uh, while you bet tennis and UFC and those kinds of things, yesterday in college basketball, first of all, golf, I had Woodland and I had Hatton circling the victory at Arnold Palmer. Neither got there. And then in college basketball, I had the uh, the over in the uh, Houston-Memphis game. Had no business not going over. I lost that. Just slowed to a grind at the end. Had the under in the Michigan-Ohio State game. Had no business losing that. But I had Tulsa. <laughs> I had no business winning this. And Tulsa gets there. So congratulations to uh, all of those of us who had Tulsa. Fruit Basket specifically tonight uh, goes to Jariah Horn, who hits a 48-footer at the buzzer. Nothing but net. Great form, by the way, on the run to win it for Tulsa. Fruit Basket to him as well. Sounds good to me. And for me, I'm going to go to the Missouri Valley Conference, and everybody gets fruit baskets here in this league because Arch Madness continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. 66 and 39 to the under against the closing total now in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, now at the Enterprise Center, formerly the Scott Trade Center, where the St. Louis Blues play. This year's tournament, 7 and 2 to the under. One of those games that went over actually went to overtime. Should have been an under, so it should have been 8 and 1, but it winds up going 7 and 2. How about this? Totals of 125 or higher, 46 and 24 to the under in this tournament. 131 or higher, 32 and 19. So the gift that keeps on giving there in conference tournament season is the under in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. That's that's incredible. When you phrase it like that. Mine is of a very similar vein. I'm giving it out. You know, we, we will not have the actual logo of the company who sponsors this arena, but it is the Bojangles so Coliseum. <laughs> I'm, giving, I'm, giving a fruit, I'm just giving a fruit basket to Bojangles, all right, Gil? Yes. Uh, the, the sponsor of the Coliseum that housed the Big South Tournament. Similar vein to Adam, although not in the, the respective totals, but more just how insane this entire tournament was as a whole. The first round alone, we had four games, a combined four overtime periods. One game went to double overtime. The one game that did not go to overtime was decided on a buzzer Buzzer beater, beater. won by a team who had won five games all season and one game in conference play. Then I had a great Gardner-Webb money line sweat. They won by one over Campbell in a game where Campbell drew a very suspicious foul with .1 seconds left and then a very nervous-looking 
young man missed a free throw with 0.1 seconds left to send the game to overtime. Uh, one by one, there were eight, so we had a total of five overall overtime periods. Two more games decided by a single point. It was unfortunately somewhat anticlimactic yesterday because Longwood blew out Winthrop in that title game. But one of the more fun overall small conference tournaments, guys, I can remember from start to finish in, in recent memory. Great times at Bojangles, and that's my fruit basket. All right. Counts. You have <laughs> a saved, we saved the best for last. And this is what? Explain what this is to us. Yeah, so this is a rotten fruit basket. Oh. And this goes to Rob Manfred, who is in over his head as the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I'm trying to keep this PG because I oh, please, could, go. I could get much worse about this than, than I'm actually going to here on the air. But the expanded playoffs is a joke. I, this idea is awful. Obviously, the owners love it. The players only get a lump sum at the end of the series that they get to split. They don't get paid for the playoffs. So, obviously, this is just to line the owners' pockets some more. The players aren't really a big fan of the expanded playoffs, and I don't blame them for that. The league locks out the players, goes 43 days without talking to them, without proposing anything, and then Manfred comes out and says, well, there's only so many days and we just ran out of time. I was supposed to see the Guardians and the A's next weekend up at Las Vegas Ballpark, see my hometown team. Got that refund email this morning. Ugh. So thank you, Rob Manfred. But look, you know, also too, I think a rotten apple in this basket also needs to go to MLBPA Executive Director Tony Clark because the last deal that he negotiated for the players was so bad that now they're trying to make up for it here with this one. I don't know when we're going to get baseball this season. Maybe May, maybe June, something like that. And then we get to do this again when the CBA expires. Major League Baseball is in a terrible spot, and Rob Manfred is a big reason why. Huge reason why. And deserved of a rotten fruit basket. Where do you stand on, let me ask you, because I know because we, we speak as two guys who like baseball, but I, I, I've gotten to the point, Adam, where I've become sort of like the old guy who's like, I don't want to talk about it till it happens. But yet I want to talk about it a little bit. Where do you stand on the notion of ghost wins in a best-of-five playoff series? I where, hate it. Just to explain it, it, Max Scherzer saying, hey, what if we, we'll, we'll give you 14 playoff teams, but in the best-of-five opening round, the uh, higher-seeded team, the number-one-seeded team, will get a one-to-nothing lead out of the shoot. What are we doing? I, I don't know. It's just like the ghost runner on second for extra innings. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, at least that's gone away now. That was largely just to kind of protect the players coming back into a full season. But, you know, look, all, all of the things that, that Manfred has suggested, just they make no sense. You know, they're, they're just not things that, that I think Major League Baseball needs. I'm glad that they're going to put a pitch clock on and save 15 minutes on the game just so in a year or two they'll extend the between innings break to sell more commercial time. You know, it's just it, it's unbelievable to me the way that there, there are so many people in and around the game that seem to hate the game. They seem it, to it hate the game. It blows my mind. Right. That's a good way of putting it. The, the point I made this morning was, for those of us who love baseball, the, the, the reason that we love baseball, by the way, love other sports perhaps more, but the reason that I love baseball is because baseball's brand is kind of the tradition and the purity of everything, exactly the stuff that is unique to that sport. And them messing around with it doesn't make me like it any better. And the people you're trying to attract, it's not like there's anybody sitting around on the fence going, oh, well, now that you've uh, agreed to ban the shift, I'm all into this. What do you feel about that? Which, which by the way, they needed to get more balls in play. But shouldn't, shouldn't the shift have gotten banned because on the field, players should have figured out to bunt against it and get on base 
and do it organically to force uh, opposing managers, oh, this isn't going to work anymore. Instead, they have to come in and legislate, sorry, uh, this defensive strategy was too good, and so we can't let you do it anymore. The whole thing is messed up to me. I mean, look, we're at a point in Major League Baseball where you're not going to get more balls in play. Guys throw 95-plus. Guys throw their sliders 90 miles per hour. You're just not going to get more balls in play. Pitching is just too good, and hitting hasn't been able to adapt enough. The thing that I find really interesting about this whole banning the shift thing is they've been doing everything that they can to hold down player salaries, to continue you know, Super 2 and arbitration, the six years of control and all of that. So now we're going to ban the shift to increase offensive production, which in theory should increase player salaries. So... Isn't that the opposite of what Manfred and all the owners are trying to do? They're trying to keep everybody's costs down, but now they're going to get rid of the shift, and now guys are going to you know, maybe be able to hit 300 again, maybe hit some of those old benchmarks, things of that sort. Uh, the, the league is it's in shambles, Gil. It's in, sh- it's it's in, in shambles. total shambles. When juxtaposed against the NFL, which we could talk about 365 days a year, and we're about to, by the way, with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus coming up, the NFL draft upon us. Uh, when March Madness is upon us, which is just the most fun thing in the world, let alone, by the way, like more global matters, like, you know, a war against the sovereign nation. It just it just makes billionaires fighting against millionaires that more ridiculous uh, in this day and age. It's just what a, good for you sending that to uh, Rob Manfred. I hope he receives it quickly. College basketball futures next. Adam's thoughts coming back on VEASAN's primetime action. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only 19 United States dollars. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Tim Murray, Adam Burke, Jeff Parlay, all of our college basketball experts, Wes, Wes Reynolds, on every key team, conference, and player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VEASAN through April 5th for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash madness. It is Gil Alexander, Adam Burke in for Matt Brown, Ben Wilson in for Kelly Bidlin for one more night. Uh, Bidlin will be back in the chair tomorrow. Adam, you'll be with us again tomorrow as well. Uh, but we have not had a chance to talk at length about March Madness, which uh, I guess Election Sunday now, six days away. And so let's take this from the top just to win it all. And by the way, I don't know I, uh, if, you know, if you're aware, I, did, I updated the college, uh, college basketball championship formula today. Tried and true, six criteria. We try to do it every Monday here now on the approach to March Madness. And the two teams that qualified, any guesses? To win it all. Tried and true through the years. Six criteria, two of which 100% accuracy. Four of the six, one exception for the better part of three decades. So last 33 champs had more assists than turnovers. 27 of the last 28 champs had a head coach with Sweet 16 experience heading into the year. Only exception, Kevin Ollie, 2014, Yukon Huskies. 27 of the last 28 champs went into the tournament with at least three wins versus teams in the top 10% of RPI. That's how far back we've been going. Exception 2014, UConn Huskies led by Shabazz Napier. Last 28 champs had a top 75 strength of schedule. 17 of the last 18 were in top 20 in adjusted offensive efficiency at Ken Palm. Only the 2014 UConn Huskies were accepting there, uh, the exception there. And then 17 of the last 18 champs were in the top 20 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Ken Palm, only exception last year's Baylor Bears. Only two teams qualify right now with a whole bunch of others. Not a whole bunch of others, but a handful knocking at the door. 
I actually watched this clip today. Oh. Retweeted it on my timeline at Skating Tripods. Love this clip. It's a great thing that you do and Thank updating you. it. Baylor and UCLA. Yeah. And I don't like either one of them. So <laughs> I guess that's kind of where we go from here for this segment. Well, it's Baylor UCLA, but I should point out the, the reason that we keep in mind the teams that are like just on the outside looking in is because still over this week of conference tournament and during the big dance itself, where the champion will have to play six games, you could still play your way into the criteria you're out of. So the teams that are knocking out the door, Baylor and UCLA qualifying right now, are Kentucky, adjusted defensive efficiency, 25th right now at Ken Palm. This is what's keeping them out. Auburn, adjusted offensive efficiency, 23rd. Duke, adjusted defensive efficiency, 27th. Arizona, Tommy Lloyd, first-year coach, has never been to a Sweet 16, obviously. And Gonzaga and Houston, strength of schedule, not top 75. But they're close, each one of those with one criteria, really keeping them out. Beyond that, forget that. Who do you like here? Is there a bet? First of all, what do you have in pocket, and what are you thinking about betting? Yeah, I don't have a ton in pocket, actually, just because, you know, first year coming out here doing the transition to working for Visa and covering everything with the NFL, college football, Super Bowl, all that kind of thing. I got to college basketball a little bit late this year. So, you know, I kind of missed some of the good early prices, especially coming out of the non-conference games. Uh, in terms of what's up there on the board right now, Auburn at 12-1 to 1 is, a, is a little bit low. But as you said, I mean, they're just outside of that criteria that you're talking about. And for them to be 23rd in adjusted offensive efficiency, shooting the three ball as bad as they do, they're 259th in the country in three-point percentage at 32%. So to be that high of a team in offensive efficiency and not shoot the three well, pretty, pretty basically impressive. to me, all they have to do is shoot the three at an average clip throughout the tournament, and they could very well rattle off six games. They're a very good defensive team. They're a very good two-point shooting team. There's a lot of things to like about this Auburn team. And like I said, I think if they shoot threes at an average clip, then, you know, they're a team that I would take a look at. But at this point in time, there's really not a whole lot of futures equity left on the board. Now it's just a matter of waiting until we see the draw and then kind of figuring out what we want to do in terms of odds to make the Sweet 16, you know, odds to make the Final Four and all that. So now I just wait till Sunday and, and mm -hmm. see how everything shakes out. Yeah, because we do have the make the Final Four odds that are posted there as well. But your point is well taken. Uh, Parlay and I, Jeff Parlay, producer number five and eight on a numbers game, and of course co host is Jeff Parles of Bet Center on the weekend with uh, Ben Wilson. Ben Wilson. Totally different. Jeff uh -huh. Parlay, he, totally he transforms different. into another uh -huh. totally separate but equally interested in live betting. It's like a young Man. Kevin, like a young <laughs> Kevin Harlan, that kid. Yeah. Uh, so he made a great point today. We were talking on the on the show this morning, which is so the Pac-12 tournament. UCLA wins that tournament. Let's say, work with me here. They win that tournament. They're thirty to one to win it all. Six to one to make the Final Four, courtesy of DraftKings here on the on the board. But if they win that Pac-12 tournament, that might go a long way uh, towards them getting off the four line. If they are to stay in the Western region, we're going back to the traditional seedings and regional bracketing now after the pandemic years. They don't win that Pac-12 tournament. Maybe they end up four. Maybe they end up having to face Gonzaga in a Sweet 16. They win the Pac-12 tournament. They don't face probably that scenario. So... We, you have to think about with these conference tournaments, some of the incentives for some of these teams. I, I would think that's a that's a pretty it doesn't get much more important than that. No, that's a really good point. I mean, if you want to go out there and grab some line value on these, UCLA is one to do it because the Pac-12 is not very good. I mean, Arizona is the chalk favorite to win the Pac-12 tournament here, and I think deservedly so, obviously. But UCLA is a team that can very well make a run in that, and if they do, they're not thirty to one. Yeah. They're not a four seed, as you said. They're probably not going to be in that region with Gonzaga. That adds a lot more equity to their futures price. 
I don't like UCLA personally. I know they went on that big run last year. They were very, very fortunate. Teams against them shot awful from three. They made a ton of mid-range jump shots, which are things that I don't really like as an offensive strategy from a team. So I'm not expecting a repeat performance from UCLA. But from a price standpoint, what you're saying right now is completely accurate. That at 30-1, to if they win this tournament out here in Vegas, they're probably, what, 20-1? to going into the NCAA tournament? Probably. So it may be worthwhile to grab something like that. You think about a team like Texas Tech, for example, you know, 25 to 1. If they win the Big 12 tournament, they're probably going down to 20 to 1. Maybe they get they move up a seed line or two. Maybe get a better draw in whatever region they go to, something like that. So that, that does make a lot of sense. And it is something, admittedly, that you know, I didn't really start thinking about until you mentioned that UCLA example. Let's put let's put this up on the board for one more second because I want to ask you one question about the left column, one question about the right column here in terms of the uh, the futures odds here. Left column. Which of those teams do you trust the least? Shortest shots to win it all. I would say Duke. Honestly, I just, you know, you look at the ACC this year, and, and I know Duke shines from, you know, the adjusted metrics offensively. They shine certainly. But the ACC is just not good. It's just not a good offensive conference. And I don't know how good Duke's defense actually is. In, in light of especially what we saw here in that regular season finale where North Carolina did whatever they wanted to on offense. Against a them. win for America that was on Saturday. <laughs> a win for the country. By the way, uh, Coach K after that game just saying it was unacceptable, taking the mic and telling everyone to be quiet. <laughs> All I remember is him, is him saying, listen, be quiet. Be quiet. No, it was such please. an enjoyable sequence to watch uh, that play out. Just so enjoyable. So phenomenal. And apparently all the beef, like, you know, the, the they've had beef for decades, but the beef in that moment was apparently Duke, some of the Duke brass was very upset that, that uh, they didn't uh, honor Coach K when they were in Chapel Hill earlier this season where other ACC teams did. I understand that why that ruffled their feathers a little bit. I, college yeah. college is made on the rivalries. Yeah, it, it's made on the emotion. It's made on you know getting the student bodies involved and all that. I, I don't have a problem with it. Oh, no, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's glorious. Wonderful. What about on the right side of this screen? So this is now going past the first of, of the seven short shots. Now we go to the Kansas down to Illinois, 14 to 1 all the way to 45 to 1. If I said, Adam Burke, you must make a futures wager on one of these teams at these prices, that team would be. That team would be Illinois for me at 45 to one. I, I just, you know, there's such a different team with Kofi Coke burning the lineup and, and he did miss some time was kind of banged up throughout the regular season. So I think Illinois is a pretty interesting team there. One thing I do want to mention real quick about Houston, mm -hmm. they have not beaten a single team oh. that projects to be in the NCAA tournament field and their losses are all pretty. Well, I mean, they got blown out by Memphis, obviously, but their other four losses were all the top 30 teams. So there's no bad loss. I mean, from a score standpoint, it was a bad loss to Memphis. There's no bad loss on the resume for Houston, but they don't really have a good win either. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what to do with them. Yeah, going back to that formula, I think Houston fails on both strength of schedule and beating three teams in the top 10% of RPI. I don't, I don't think they meet that one either. Uh, where do you stand on the on the the SEC core? And I'm not talking about uh, Kentucky or Auburn at the top, but about Tennessee. Arkansas, that grouping of teams. How do you feel about that? You know, the SEC has been spectacular this year. Great game between those two teams yesterday. Any notion on taking a shot at one of those teams? Well, if you force me to pick a team to win, I think Kentucky does it. I do like Auburn. I think Tennessee is a team that's going to be held back by Rick Barnes, which is what tends to happen mm -hmm. to Rick Barnes' teams in the NCAA tournament. But I was even looking at this, and I'm writing up the team previews for our VEASAN tournament betting guide next week. I started looking at Alabama. And I started looking at this Alabama team, and I'm like, you know what? 
Maybe they just don't match up well against teams in the SEC. You know, they're not a good offensive rebounding team in a conference where everybody is. They're not a good defensive rebounding team because of the teams that they match up against. They're not going to be playing exclusively SEC teams in the tournament. Alabama's a team that I may find myself taking some kind of piece of as we get the draw and get everything sorted out. It's all we need, Alabama, to make to flirt with <laughs> the March Met with an NCAA basketball title. Uh, gonna be fun, man. Gonna be fun. Two uh, at uh, two, I should say, two automatic bids determined tonight in college basketball. Other conference games throughout the country, and then tomorrow and Wednesday, boy oh boy, that's when the uh, cavalcade of big conference tournaments tipping off really truly gets underway. What a week leading up to Selection Sunday. Coming back, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus next. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Gil, Adam, and Ben on a Monday night. Let's talk some football. Let's bring him in. Our buddy from Pro Football Focus is Dr. Eric Eager. How you doing, Eric? Uh, better than Calvin Ridley. Your your reaction to that? I, I'm really amused at the number of people who think that the that because the NFL is going into gambling heavily, that the players should have no consequences for betting on their own sport. It's <laughs> unbelievable, Gil. I. I, you think about this thing for three seconds, three, and you, and and you understand why this is a thing. Now, the NFL deserves a lot of flack for how they handle literally everything, but the but Calvin Ridley should very much be suspended for this, and everybody in the league, uh, owners, players, coaches, uh, analytics staffers, should all be on alert for for not betting on their own sport. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know athletes in in professional sports that bet, but bet on other sports. They're smart enough not to bet on their own. They know the they know the golden rule. By the way, what I, I did say in the first segment, I said the only argument that I do have some patience for, and I believe is a valid one. Not that this should in any way, you know, not that it uh, in any way dismisses uh, Calvin Ridley betting on football, but I do agree with the people who are like, okay, well, if you if you were vigilant about this, to whatever extent. What are you? What are you? Are you looking into the Stephen Ross allegations 
as as vigorously. I, I do get that sentiment. You? Oh, sure. Yeah. It, the, the the only comeback is that the NFL, I mean, this was a very, it appeared to be a very easy win for the NFL in terms of integrity. He logged on to a legal sports book um, and, you know, Bet Genius was able to sort of detect it. It's actually a win for regularized gaming, by the way. Yes. Uh, if you, <laughs> yes, if you want, uh, you know, your state to have legalized gaming, this is a, a one of the reasons uh, for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we should be cracking down uh, on you know the Stephen Rosses of the world and everything. I mean, inte- without integrity, like not all of this goes away, right? So we we need we need to um, you know all the integrity that we can get uh, for these games and for the players and the entities that are involved in them. All right, Eric, NFL draft end of next month, April twenty eighth. Let's go, number one overall pick in the draft. There's been a whole bunch of line movement over the course of the last week or so. I'm sure there will be more between now and the actual draft, which is here in Las Vegas. But your current thoughts on this market? Yeah, after spending a week in, in Indianapolis, I think it's it's going to be a tackle. Um, and, and that's why you've seen Icky Aquanum, you know, come from like 100 to 1 all the way down to the price he's at, where depending upon the market, I know you guys have it posted at plus 175. I've seen it as low as plus 110. I bet online earlier today. I saw it as high as plus 200 on some, you know, I think DraftKings maybe earlier in the day was there. Um, you know, he's certainly up the draft boards a little bit. I think as we sort of, you know, get further into the process, you'll realize that his tape is probably better than Evan Neal's tape, even though Evan Neal uh, is more athletic and, and a more impressive specimen. Um, but yeah, I agree with those three or those two, I'm sorry, being the favorite. Um, and then, you know, the, I think a dark horse here is Charles cross out of Mississippi state. I think he's somebody that, uh, you know, is our number one ranked tackle uh, on our big board. Um, and, and somebody that's deserving of consideration there, but right now, mostly a long shot. Eric, a lot of people talking about the quarterbacks as well, coming out of the combine and, and in particular, the hand size measurement for Kenny Pickett, who now over at DraftKings plus 175 to be the first quarterback taken. Seemed like a pretty good event for Malik Willis, who's now the favorite at minus 160 and an overwhelming favorite at that. I mean, is, is minus 160 just too short of a price here on Willis, given everything that's transpired? Yeah, although I, I, you know, I took a really, I mean, a lot of these limits are low, but you can get down a decent amount at different places. I, I took a very sizable like position on, on Willis at plus 150, which was around for quite some time. And you, there was a lot of buzz around him. Uh, if I had to guess on the team that drafts him, I think it's like Pittsburgh. And I think Pittsburgh's going to kind of move up in a very same way that we had, you know, Patrick Mahomes linked to Kansas city, you know, for the 2017 draft cycle and Kansas city eventually sort of had to do what it took to go up and get him. I think that's where Pittsburgh is. Pittsburgh's only three years removed from trading from 20 to 10 to pick Devin Bush at 10. So there's certainly an appetite for them to do it at the QB position. I think Willis is, you know, probably, yeah, I, I, I think he's a good one there. I also think, you know, we just saw uh, on some markets, the quarterback position, three and a half players in the first round. I, I think under that, if you get under minus 200 on under there, uh, I think you have to take it. I was just going to ask you about that. Cause those have been popping up today. Three and a half on the quarterback seems a little too high. You just, uh, corroborated uh, my feelings there. What about what about defensive and offensive players? Both I'm seeing set at about 14 and a half. Um, would you go over on offense and under on defense there? 
Yeah, I think I think offense you're seeing some places. I think it's seventeen and a half, right? And then defense is fourteen and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so over on defense and under on offense, given the fourteen and a half and the seventeen and a half. I think that's the only way you can go, right? Yeah. I think if you're short on quarterbacks, um, offensive line right now. So the the one leaky spot, and this is where I actually put an under today: seven and a half offensive line. And last year the number was six and a half. Um, and we only got to four, I believe, in the first round of the draft. There are people, and I and I, there are sharp people within the league that know that offensive linemen don't have the impact that they normally have, that other positions have early. So I, I think over, offensive linemen are always overvalued this time of year. And, and where they shined in Indianapolis, and they all kind of did, they ran fast. That doesn't necessarily, we only had, a, I be, we had no players in the entire draft bench press over 35. The line you know, and, and again, the the limits on this book, understand, notwithstanding, the line for the most bench press reps at Indy was 40 and a half. I mean, it didn't get one player offense or defense over 35. So I think to under seven and a half offensive linemen is the way you want to go if you want to bet under uh, offensive players, just because I think the league is a little hesitant to draft offensive linemen in the first round. And that's why you see guys like Orlando Brown get traded as opposed to the Chiefs taking a flyer on a rookie guy in the first round. So I got a couple of defensive linemen for a minute here, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson. And you know, look, not really a ton of talk about these two guys coming out of the combine. A lot of other players getting a lot of attention. Thibodeau now over under four and a half is where his draft position is. And then Aiden Hutchinson over under two and a half uh, with the under heavily juiced there at minus 200. What do you think about Thibodeau and Hutchinson? Where do you think they kind of end up going? Yeah, I think that the, obvious thought for Hutchinson is Detroit. He's a Michigan kid. I know he didn't grow up a Lions fan is the report, but you know, he, he would, you know, presumably stay there. Um, you know, they drafted a corner at three, uh, just a couple of years or just a couple of years ago in Jeff Akuda. they took a tackle, uh, last year. So you're sort of rounding out all the important positions there. Two is too high for a quarterback. Maybe 32 is where they, they take a swing, uh, at QB there. So I think Hutchinson goes to Detroit. Um, uh, Thibodeau is an interesting one. I, I think he's certainly worthy of a top five pick, um, you know, but you have to look at the teams that are picking in that spot. And, uh, you know, I, I think maybe the giants at five are, are a solid choice for him. Um, but, you know, again, that puts you over uh, that prop there. And again, the, the offensive linemen, there might be a run on them early. Um, plus the, the crazy thing is, and this is, this is also, you know, I talk about quarterbacks now. I don't think there are that many are, that are going to be taken in round one. There might be a quarterback that sneaks into the top five if a team falls in love with them and thinks they have to move a mountain. Uh, we, you know, some people might think, oh, what's the difference between pick six and pick four? Pick four? I, I think that's a lot of a lot of capital, but some league team might not think it is if they, if they think they're getting their franchise quarterback. So I'd probably go over on Thibodeau, even as good of a prospect as he is. Back to the quarterbacks you're saying. we got we got 45 seconds here, Eric, but just to clarify, I'm seeing first quarterback draft. I'm seeing pickets at plus 190. Would you bet that? Would you take a flyer on that? That some team will pick him before any other? I don't think so. I think Kenny Pickett is viewed as kind of like a Mac Jones type, um, which is good. I mean, Mac Jones was great last year. I I would, um, but and, but no. I mean, and part of that's because I have some Willis myself, and I don't want to really take a bite out of a good bet. Um, but but I think I think Pickett is probably going to go, you know, sort of fifteen to twenty, um, and I think Willis is long gone by then. Okay. Eric, Eric, listen, we could talk 365 days about this sport. That's the beauty of it. We always appreciate it, man. And I'm sure we'll talk between now and the draft again. You guys are the best. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Dr. Eric Eager, everybody, from Pro Football Focus. 
Uh, you can follow him at PFF underscore Eric on the uh, Twitter machine. We'll come back. Speaking of football, we'll talk about the Steelers' first snap, the Buccaneers' first snap, who will take the first snap for those two respective teams in this upcoming NFL season. Um, yeah, you could bet on that as well. And we'll update all the scores. We'll look at ACC and other conference futures as well, see if Adam has a, uh, a play on any of these. Which get going tonight. By the way, two conference championships decided tonight. We'll update all that as well. Automatic bids on the line on a Monday night right here at Visa's Primetime Action live from the South Point. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.